Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, students in Dublin. Welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I am Dara O'Shea. I'm Geraldine McAvoy. And I'm Pather Kovonik. And you're all very welcome to our special episode today. I want to talk about a piece of literature which was written over a half a century ago, but is as urgent as the day it was first produced in the Damer Theatre in Dublin in 1964. It is, of course, Untrial by Mairead Nicrada. By the bad bitch, Mairead Negrada. Like, she didn't need to go that hard, but she did. As she I did. saw on a tweet she, recently. She went that hard. She did. What a bad bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bleep me, please. <laughs> for, for context, so, I mean, we often talk about, say, a lot of a lot of people talk about how Ireland changed dramatically in the nineties. It pivoted. There was um, there was Mary Robinson was president. There was the, uh, the Celtic Tiger. Then there was the peace process. And suddenly Ireland was changing its attitudes to so many things and it was a, it was a heady, sudden rush. But th- 30 years previous to this, a lot of the issues that still face us now long after the Celtic Tiger were being discussed in Irish. Yeah, it's it's for anyone who doesn't know the story of Montreal, first of all, it's like an absolute belter of a story anyway. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a play, but it's, oh my God, it's so good. But effectively, it's the story of uh, a young kind of innocent girl named Maura who falls in love with the local, uh, I think the technical term is, um, as we've said many times on this show before, fuck boy, um, <laughs> Podrick, who's like, he's pure cool because he's like the uh, principal and he's real sexy and stuff. The schoolmaster. Um, oh, yeah, oh yeah, he's an Ovaster. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Maura is like completely besotted with him. Anyway, her mom's having none of it, gets herself pregnant, she's not married, and a whole heap of misery falls upon Maura. Then there's a, a chakthorn, there's a, a Magdalene Laundry, there's like badass prostitutes who are actually sound. Yeah. Um, everyone else is a bit of a Torag. Yeah, a bit of it. Everyone yeah. else is a everyone is like. Oh, but all the so-called awful. respectable people are Torags. Yeah. And the prostitute, the sex worker, Molly, is the only one who will give poor Mara the time of day yeah. and look after her and take her in. Yeah, sex workers are class. Absolutely. Let's give them some rights, lads. So this was um this was a good, about four years before when when uh, when Brian Lenehan Senior was Minister for Justice. He did a mass unbanning of books. Uh, which, and because there, there was a, in the early sixties and fifties in Ireland, there was a ridiculous amount of books uh, banned in, in typically in English language, including certain Shakespeare plays, as well as uh, lots of modernist literature. And some and some writers were, were took particular aplomb when when if the Department of Justice gave you the ultimate shade and not banning your book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ulysses was banned uh, among many many other classics of, of, of English language literature and not very many books in Irish got banned uh, largely because not all of the censors or government ministers at the time had enough Irish to understand what was going on and when you look at Ontreal, Ontreal could theoretically still be banned 
under the last proviso left in Irish law to ban a book, which is it contains descriptions of the procuring of an abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is it, it is one of the it, it could still be banned. It's still a bannable book under the draconian Irish censorship acts and laws. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. And and I suppose it enjoyed this this niche, this subversive counterculture niche in Ondamer uh, the theatre and in the in, in the Irish language uh literature oeuvre uh, at the time because <laughs> None of the censors could understand it, yeah. so they just—that's the best part about it. Like, I mean, this was this was on the curriculum when I was in secondary school. Like, I studied this, and I was like, "What? what this? Do they know what they're teaching us?" Like, <laughs> like, tell nobody. And I remember my my Irish teacher, Miss um, Callahan, lovely teacher. I'm assuming she doesn't listen. Um, I shame her. Um, but she was like, "Oh, you should go and watch yourselves that movie, The Magdalene Sisters." After I was like, "Is she is she teaching us about the Magdalene? Is this is this what's happening?" And nobody's acknowledging it. it was amazing. Yeah. Like the fact that Irish has this association with being like a like conservative, like like conservative culture. And in 1964, Maureen Grady was like, "Magdalene Laundries are shite," you know. Which are you know they are? I don't think anyone's on board with them being anything but shite. And, and no, but at the time, yeah, at the time, the time that wasn't that yeah. wasn't. It wasn't cool to say that. Exactly. That was the thing. Like, And it certainly wasn't cool. Like the last Magdalene Audrey closed down in 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was absolutely not cool up until that point to start saying that, yeah, lads, this Magdalene Laundry's thing that we're making unmarried mothers do, mm-hmm. it's a bit shit. And even like the, the brother in the in the play, um, like he's becoming a priest and he, it's, it's evident that he's, you know, he's really serious about his becoming a priest and the mother's really proud of that and she wanted uh, more to become a, a, a nun. Mm. But like nobody in the religious sectors had any pity for her situation mm. and had any sympathy on her and what happened. And like, it's so evident that Marie Negrada is like highlighting this like hypocrisy that you have this perfect society. And one of the themes that keeps coming through it is so uh, oh, that you'd be embarrassed in front, in front of the neighbours. That yeah. the neighbours might talk. And like she's so tuned into the things, the taboo things that no one in Irish culture was saying in 1964, at least not openly. Yeah. And because it's Irish, you got away with it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And if you're studying on trail for the Leaving Cert, hypocrisy is femintacht. So taming the femintacht. <laughs> Uh, look, it's uh, to be honest with you, it's it's we keep talking over Derek. He's dying. He's got so many great questions he wants to ask, but we're just here. We're just giving the grah to Marini Grada. She was so ahead of her time. In 1940, she published what is arguably the first piece of sci-fi ever written in Irish, Mananan. Yeah. Um, she had written plays in the past, and then in the early 60s, she got involved with Undamer the theatre, and she met Tomas Magana and other actors, writers, and this was a collective. It was brilliant. They they acted in each other's plays and they wrote plays for each other and some of the names like Kathleen Maud was in the lead role in the original 1964 production in Ondamer and Kathleen Maud the famous Irish poet whose work is also on the Leaving Set curriculum and you know Alta is is a a great poem that that, that kids still learn in school Um, and Tomás Magana it is said introduced Negrada to Brechtian concepts of of modernism and how she became um, she set aside the naturalism of her early plays and, and this is where we get this great idea that Entreal 
it's a trial, but it's not really a trial because the character's dead and we're looking back through flashbacks and is it a trial? Is it an inquest? Is it some sort of a metaphysical judgment on those that pass judgment on the victim herself? It's just, it's amazingly done. It's an incredible staging of what is a very complex story of so many characters with so much to say and so much to do. Negrada, like obviously, this is the sixties. She wasn't like a kind of a, a, a kind of a youngish hippie. She was someone. This is this wasn't like kind of a. It wasn't her first rodeo. It wasn't her first rodeo. <laughs> uh, no, no. She, she was. She was. She was a uh, sixty sixty eight. I think in in uh, nineteen sixty four. She was born in the eighteen nineties. That much I know. And so. When you consider that we often ascribe conservatism to older generations, like this is someone who was born well before the foundation of the state and yeah. yet was woke AF, to use the parlance that the Leaving Cert students might understand. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, like the, to give context of how radical this would have been in 1964, this is a good 10 years before RT didn't want to show the Brady Bunch because it had a positive representation of the divorce. <laughs> yeah, and I believe this was. Wait, they weren't widowed. They weren't widowed. <gasps> I didn't know until recently that divorce Harlot. was that issue. Like, <laughs> I just remember the Brady Bunch being really annoying. Like, it was you that told me, Dara. Yeah. You were like, "Oh, they're divorced." And I was like, "What is that? Is that the scandal of it?" But the big thing was one of the reasons that they they in order to show a positive representation of a post-divorce family, they 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 upped up the wholesomeness to say, "Look." Look, divorced people are really normal. Look how nice these people are. And the same way that that I suppose other that that the first representation of a group. Uh, who are who may have been discriminated against was was the idea was to to show them in an, maybe an overly positive light or an excessively not so much sympathetic or like maybe simplified kind of um neut- neutralized. Oh yeah, light. Li- like they did on Glen Row for the Colchies. Yes, victimizing Ex- the culture. <laughs> How dare you? They, they'd never had cultures in television before. They didn't want to scare I, sophisticated Dublin audiences. Mileen rolling around in the hay that time, and and people were scandalized. Okay? They were scandalized. They were scandalized. <laughs> it's true. Delma, oh, <laughs> that name sends a shiver record. down my spine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. We're talking to leaving state students about on trail, <laughs> and by bringing in the Glen Roll references, we've lost. <laughs> Glen Row was something that happened in yeah. the 80s, children. <laughs> hey, yeah. up until the 90s, like, I remember Glen Row. In fact, there was uh, Tom Dunn, the well, the broadcaster, was in a band called Something Happens, who had a um, who had a popular song, which uh, I think it was, it was um, Hello, 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 I think it's called Petrol. The it's called Petrol, Petrol yeah. But it was very popular on college radio in America, so much so that allegedly Kurt Cobain was taking the mick out of it in the refrain of Spells Like Teen Spirit. But the Glen Row theme tune kept it off the number one slot for an entire summer in Ireland. And uh, for any of the leaving cert <laughs> students that were still with us, we have now lost them all. So. <laughs> Look, hey, Kurt forget Cobain, about, forget something about Glen Row, lads. Let's talk about something happens on Nirvana. Look, it, it, was, it was back in 1994. I tied an onion to my belt. Just a style of time. <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference. They're also not going to get. <laughs> are so down with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, well, okay, I mean, untrial. Yeah, so anyway, Mar- Marie Negrata didn't take this, I should make it wholesome. She was like, like, F that, like, I'm going to go hard. And like, it's so, like you said, go it's so well, go home. 
it, and she went fucking hard. Like Whoop. she went so hard. It's so good. Like the the representation of the court case is really good as well. Like I I, I had the pleasure of actually studying it twice. So I did it once from an even search, and then um, when I went to university as well, I studied it like as part of an Irish language text about the court. And like it's just so interesting because you were studying Dalia Gascoigne, were you? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So like it was so interesting to see it from that perspective as well, and to be able to revisit it in a non-leaving cert way. Like, and it's such a good story, and like so re- like. Genuinely, Maureen Negroida made like a feminist out of me before I knew what that was. Like I learned the word Ginvilla from that book. Like it's from that that I learned these concepts. And I was studying it kind of at the time that the scandals about what had happened in the night and laundries was coming out. So it was really topical. It was a really interesting time to study it. And like you said, like I feel like there's nuns across the country, been and gone, who probably didn't fully understand what they were teaching these. Like a lot of young girls as well. Like, you know, I went to an all-girls school and like it was just an amazingly woke piece of feminist literature that we other, you know, we didn't get any of this in our English classes. It just wasn't available. It was no, so good. And, and like when you consider that like some of the topics in the English class for junior cert, for leaving cert, some of them were pretty edgy. Some of them yeah. some of them were edgy enough. Like particularly for junior cert. I remember for junior cert, and I did my junior cert a long, long time ago. Uh, a long, long time. Did you tie an onion to your belt? <laughs> <laughs> it was the style at the time. Uh, give me, give me I, five bees for a before, euro. Before you start, I did my, I did my junior set around about the time you started college. So let's not start with that. Uh, but, Back in those days, <laughs> twenty pence pieces had horses on them. <laughs> oh, granddad! Always <laughs> talking about his horses and his pigs on money. Um, when I did my junior set, we did. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird and prior to that we'd done Roll of Thunder Hear My Cry and mm-hmm. that dealt with themes of racism To Kill a Mockingbird obviously deals with themes of rape and false accusations and the racial taboos and yeah. prejudices and, mm-hmm. and then when we got to the leaving cert it was just now we're going to do Strictly Ballroom <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like alright it's about Australians dancing <laughs> is that it? Like, yeah yeah pretty much yeah Sounds fascinating. I, I, I admit I haven't heard of that one before, but I'm sure it's good. I really liked Strictly Ballroom, but I didn't study it in the Leaving Cert. I studied it in the Leaving Cert, yeah. My three texts were Strictly Ballroom, Macbeth, and the novel has made so little impact I can't remember <laughs> it. Oh, How Many Miles to Babylon by Jennifer Johnson. Shite. I met her and she's very nice. I'm sure she's very nice. I didn't like the novel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> When I was doing my leaving cert, I did Emma by Jane Austen. I did a Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by who's that guy again? You know the guy who with the wear the fuckboy glasses. Go away, man, Joyce. <laughs> yeah, that fella. Oh yeah, but then and then I did Play by the Western World as well. Uh, but the but the I did not do Montreal. Which oh, was, lads, you're missing out. It was it's so it's so, so good. I'm so glad I did it. What did what did you do, Oscar? Did you do Peg? Um, I actually just missed Peg. I was one of the first Peg. years Peg after Peg. Peg. What'd you do? A Hig not Hig, Hig, Hig not Yeah, yeah. yeah. great book. Great book and, and obviously the, the poetry, some of the poetry stays with me. I think the, the poem, I think most, a lot of people really remember from, well, people remember different poems in school. Obviously, everyone remembers Ethan Oleman, just a fantastic, you know, yeah, great work. Poem. And there's um one story that will always stick with me, which is you were talking about uh, Marina Grosser writing a great piece of science fiction. A very bad piece of science fiction in Irish is Antukas Achternach. Antukas Achternach, the last native? Yes. I don't think I know Who wrote that? that? It was a it was a knockoff of 1984. Um, I, the, the writer will come back oh. to me, where every, everyone is given an appointed number from the state, and you have to marry a person who the state tells you to. And people are given a Logan's Run. Old people are sent off to a Logan's Run place, and then the, the, the a bunch. <laughs> I of love how our pop culture references are going further <laughs> back in time. <laughs> for, kids, kids, if you're listening, if you're still with us, Logan's Run was a film in starring. Um, Charlton Heston was it? 
No, we're saying what's his name? York, you man. Oh, uh, Tom, not not Tom, Tom York. York. Sorry, that'd be probably brilliant. York, you've, you've lost me now. Yeah. Like that's, Michael, that's Michael York. Michael York. Michael York. Starring Michael York. He's the guy from Austin Powers. Yeah. Starring the old dude from Austin Powers, which you also won't remember because that was in 1995. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Logan's Run was this this where everybody had a crystal in the middle of their hand and it started flashing when you turned 40, and you went on carousel, which was a fancy way of saying that they killed you. And if you're doing on trail for the leaving cert at the moment, you probably think that's a good idea. <laughs> but oh. let me tell you, kids, 40's going to be around before you know it. You won't believe how quickly it hits. I love that this has become a support group for two old fellas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dukas Derenuk, there's a, a, a bunch of Fania wearing um, uh, bureaucrats are across that there's parts of the West of Ireland who haven't, haven't fallen under the influence of their slithering um, bureaucracy and red I tape. I get it. I get it. It's a metaphor for the language. Uh, I get oh, it. Oh, lads. Oh, I get oh, it. That's brilliant. And they, they yes. and get that's this brilliant. They, they're trying to catch Andukas Lutheranuk, who's the last native, and, he's, he, <gasps> and he plays a jig, and they can't stop tapping their feet. Oh, yes, it gets better. And the metaphor gets richer and richer. Oh, fantastic. The whole culture is embodied in Andukas Lutheranuk. Oh, I'm telling you. Who it, wrote that? Brian, you're going to cut this bit where one of us Googles <laughs> it. Google it now. Google Ligadar is hopping up and down again in the studio. <laughs> I'm Google Ligadar. I don't care about phone folka. Brian, help. Liam McCushteen. Liam McCushteen. So as you all know, um, and Douglas is there and written by Liam McCushteen. As you all know. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, common knowledge, actually. It's one of those things that you just can't, you can't not know. Mm-hmm. Hey, whoa, whoa, hang on, right, don't freak out, okay? I've hacked into this podcast and this is an ad, okay? This is Tony Cantwell, I'm here at Mark Jago, say hi. Hi. Hey, and we, we present Sexy Beasts, which is a monster review show. So it's all if you're into the weird, unexplained monsters. We've had things like Banshees, the Irish Waterhound, the Dobberkoo, Bigfoot, and all this December we're having Merry Christmas, where we're looking at cryptids and weird monsters all over December. So if you want to know the real, real deal behind Santa, the real deal behind Krampus, you've got to tune in. Sexy Beasts, exclusively on Head Stuff. Those of us who are interested in Irish, who are active in Irish, who speak Irish, who uh, are having more Irish in their lives are often exposed to people who cite the Leaving Cert curriculum and earlier as, 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 you know, as being a traumatic experience. And and then I have a stroke when that happens. Um, it's just because yeah. some people have actually had traumatic experiences. Yeah, but I feel like maybe Peg's not one of them. In the grand scheme of things, having to learn off an essay about Peg, I feel like there's worse things you know, in this world. I don't know. I think we need to be very honest when we start talking about the Leaving Cert and the way it's taught and all that. Like, yeah. Let's be real here. It's easy. Like, There is a huge amount of marks going for stupid things like written comprehension where you can literally pull the questions out of the piece that is yep. right in front of you. Mm-hmm. There's now a massive amount, way more than when I did the Leaving Cert, going on the oral. Yeah, and forty percent on the oral. Forty like, percent of the oral—that's your pass. You've got it, lads. Put it in the bag. Put it mm. in the bag. Yeah. And also, you know, Tom and I don't know Leitrim, who's like, well, it was forced on my neck. Like, chill out, Tom. Like, maybe yeah. get over it. Like, I don't yeah, know. Tom. To put yourself on a nice sheet mask, pour yourself a cup of tea, and chill out. Like, it's gonna be fine. Like this fine. has digressed a little bit, but it's <laughs> go- you're going to be grand. Like it's yeah. not going to kill you now. It was forced down my throat. What did they massage maths down your neck? <laughs> yeah, Street, well, it was was English inserted rectally. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> was forced down my throat. Yeah, all right, mate. Let's let's bring it back there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the text. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, this broadcast is brought to you by Old Forester Mint Julep Bourbon Cocktail. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so, no, so the text so, is like, it's really well done. So keep Mar- uh, Marjor too. Sorry, I was just on Radio Nagas at my head is a little bit. Um, so as you said, like, it's it's a flashback scene. So every now and then, like, it starts with, like, you know, the Atorne Ahean and he's like the, the first barrister and he's like interviewing somebody and it, they're asking, like, here when I looked, whose fault is it? And as the play goes on, you sort of realise that the, the, the fault, the thing that they're trying to get to the bottom of is who ki- effectively killed Maura. Mm. Maura ends up, um, you know, she ends up committing suicide because of the terrible things that have happened to her and because of her broken heart and because of how she feels that she's given birth to a child and it's a little bit like um, The Great Gatsby but better because that's shite. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> heavily influenced by real life of course because Mara spoiler alert Mara ends up taking her own life but also killing her child yeah. by putting her head in the oven. Yeah. And Nigrada was sort of influenced by the previous year, 1963, Sylvia Plath at the age of 30 yeah. didn't kill her kids. She insulated the room in which she did it, but she she took her own life through that very method, carbon monoxide poisoning yeah. into an open oven. But I mean, when you get to the heel of the hunt, when you get to the denouement of the play, you kind of realise that the blame that the witnesses are ascribing is not for the death of Moira and the child, but it's what the death of Moira and the child and the life of Moira and the child has caused them. Yeah. And how Sean had to leave the priesthood mm-hmm. and how uh, Parik was uh, embarrassed at being seen with her in public and how the mother was, Naira was kind of course, mm-hmm. like uh, shamed in front of the neighbours. Yeah. And it's, you kind of get to this realisation that like only the marginalised care about the marginalised. Yeah. So only the sex worker Molly cares about the single mother. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, like there are elements, some people in the society sort of have this chink of, maybe I should have done more, maybe I should have done something different. But then they bring it back, they say, oh, well, you know, it wasn't my fault, you know, she did this, or yeah. or mm. what would, you know, the, the neighbours say, or, or what was, you know, I was going into the tr- priesthood, you know, what was I supposed to do? So what everybody, everybody realize, says that, oh, I couldn't have done something, but collectively nobody did anything except, you know, the one Molly, the, yeah. the, the prostitute. And and it's just her is the only one who who tries to actually help Maura. And she's left on her own effectively. And, and she does, she talks about how, you know, she's given birth to a child who's a daughter who's going to be somebody else's fool. And she doesn't want that for her child that has happened to her. So she yeah. just, li- like Daisy in, in The Great Gatsby, where she says, you know, um, you know, uh, I can't remember the, the line, but about uh, girls being fools and how yeah. she didn't want this for her own daughter. So this is yeah. what was happening. It's just such a powerful metaphor yeah. with the course. It's on just a, so wonderful. Honest not Mexi in a band. Yeah. She wouldn't grow to be a, a woman. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And, and then, like you talk about, there are people who, to their own mind, they try and help her. Like she goes, she works as a Colleen Eimstra or a serving mm-hmm. girl for a woman, for um, Banny Cassidy. And Banny Cassidy is like, when I found out she was pregnant, I had to get rid of her. I had to move on. I had to call the social worker. Yeah. And the social worker is, well I, well, I had to help her. I had tried. I tried my very best to help her, but she wouldn't give up the daughter for adoption. Mm-hmm. And then she gets, she, she gets a job in a factory cleaning the toilets, working three days a week for 10 shillings a week. And uh, she has to pretend to be a widow. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then at the end, it's like, well, I mean, oh, I did my very best once I knew she was a widow. When I thought she was a widow, I did my very best. But yeah, but you're like, why would she lie to us? What do you mean? Why would she? Of course she lied. Because society, she lied. Is, society yeah. hates her. And then Porrick, the big spare prick that he is. Oh, he's she, an awful She bastard. runs into him and she's like, oh, Porrick, how are you? And then he's got himself a woman and he was all with the sob story that, oh, my wife died. Oh, look, I'm so sad. And then she was like, oh, look, he's lovely. 
like mm. not lovely but as we said earlier Pean to Tone uh, fuck boy did we come across an Irish fuck 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 okay yeah yeah he's one of those he's fuck, a, fuck. A, a, yeah big spare prick and he just like <laughs> ignores her and calls her struipach you know and she's having like it just pushes her over the edge that like she still held out this hope that yeah. they could be together and that he would love his child that was it like her loyalty is is one of the defining characteristics that that she's she's and write this down folks Toshi Delish the Fadrick Agoni treat on drama she's loyal to him right the way through and and like he tries all he wants is his hole all he wants all is his hole write that down as well lad. <laughs> <laughs> all he wants is his hole and he just says he says you can never tell anyone about us our illicit yeah. meetings you can't even write to me you know, I mean, I where have us... you heard this before? <laughs> you up like girl. It's like, imagine, like he says to her, he says to her, he says, I consider you my wife. I consider us to be man and wife. Oh, I love it. But you can't tell anyone and I can't appear in public with you and you can't write to me and we can't be seen. That is literally the 1964 version of, yeah, I just don't want to put labels on it. Like, I want to be exclusive. <laughs> like, I'm kind of, I'm just in a bad place right now and I just want to sort of, you know what I mean? I just want to just focus think, on my music. I just think, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Look, <laughs> why can't we just like enjoy it for what it is? Oh! <laughs> I just think what we have is just so much stronger than like any label, so oh. I just don't think we need to discuss it. Like, fuck you know. boys of the world, Maraid Negrada was wise to your shit fifty four <laughs> years ago. I just think keeping it cool is good for you too. Can we not have an open relationship? I just don't oh. think that like we need to be exclusive. Okay, I'm gonna stop now because okay. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, I, um, we're not going to translate some of those lines into Irish because I don't want to give any fuck fucky out there um, uh, any more uh, um, rope than you need. We also don't want to cost any of you the leave insert. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if you're going to write in your leave insert essay about, um, you know, fuck boys and the, the problem that they create, like send that bad boy on to me. I want to read that. Ask Gaelga, ask Berla. I don't care. I want to read that stuff. Let me have it. Yes, we do. We actually we do want <laughs> yeah, to see that motherfucker headstuff.org. And you know what? Let's have a competition. Signed copies of both of my books. There you go for, for the, the best, best essay about the problem with fuckboys. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. If, if you if you are yeah if you have a bunch I think of if anybody sends us one of those, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. just give, give them both books. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're looking for. Yes. So in Irish. Yes. Oscailga, Oscailas, come Extra marks, Oscailga. Extra marks, Oscailga. Yeah. Get the extra ten percent, Exactly. Just, yeah. Yes. As um, the standard of education is in this country. The worst lines that you've been presented with by someone who was just shaking the mick. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Just tweet us the worst lines you've ever heard from fellas. Yeah. From. Oh, look, welcome to anybody. The, the hashtag is comma, fuck like, fuck, which is F O C P H O C. Yeah, and you know, coming from you know, fuck fuck fuck, male, female, non-gender, it's comma like you know, anybody, any fuck boy doesn't yeah, necessarily. Fuck boy does not ascribe to the binary. Fuck person, you know. Send us your information mm. about that because I'm sure I, I have a good few ones, but um, yeah, I might just. Have What's to the worst one you've ever heard? I think it's it's. I just want to focus on my music. Genuinely, have heard that. Just think it's really important. I'm just really trying to focus on my music right now, so like I don't have time to like golly back. Like, <laughs> and I bought it. Look more. I feel your pain. It happens to the, all the best of us. I think. Yeah. The the moral of this story is like poor Elmore. I didn't have the wealth of this podcast to inform her about it. But ladies, don't fall for the fuck fuck. Just don't know? fall for the fuck fuck. So fuck fuck and I fuck 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 fuck. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So, um, Gary, you know, I presume that there's some fine legal terminology. There is. It's some really great, um, you know, it's 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 as a court case would be. You know, there's a, a turn of hit. Um, uh, uh, On either side, yeah. 
what's the word I'm looking for in English or Irish? Cross-examining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, cross-examining witnesses. And they're, you know, asking them questions about, you know, their uh, experiences with Maura and their story and giving their their evidence on that fiendish. You know, it was kind of my first interaction with like a real court case. Like, and I was all about it. Like, I thought it was really interesting. And I, I remember it was the first time on any syllabus that I actually found a text gripping that I was actually shocked when I got to the end of it like it wasn't like you know you read with class like King Lear or whatever and you, uh, whatever your play is Macbeth and you're like yeah whatever you know it's just a Shakespearean tale eventually we'll get there but nobody's like oh my god but like genuinely I found Unreal gripping and I found it the court is, it is case because yeah, like gripping. she's supposed to be on trial yeah so that you, means that like her death is genuinely Shocking. Absolutely. Because I, uh, I was so sure, I remember being sure that like she survived it and maybe she was on trial for like, uh, you know, negligent parenting or something. And like then being genuinely shocked that it was everybody else who was on trial. And it slowly comes to the fore. You slowly start to realise through the trials how, oh my God, this isn't what I thought it was. And it's a really interesting twist. It's just such a good story. Um, and the tri- I think that I mean who doesn't love a court- courtroom drama you I know, love courtroom drama it is a courtroom drama oh man it's law so and order good. that's my jam yeah Doo-doo. <laughs> but it's really good and if you show ever- a sov show a sov I don't get it this is my jam oh, oh it's been a long day guys <laughs> <laughs> oh man I love courtroom dramas They're I love them before we finish up um, there's a lot of Irish writing recently which uh, deals with very similar topics to uh, Marie Nicroja Louise O'Neill being the most obvious example, but also there's, there's an awful lot of non, tragically, there's an awful lot of non-fiction happening in our courtrooms, which is an awful lot like Untrio. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, it's not necessarily represented as as a bad thing in the the play, but like certainly the victim in this is Maura, and she's recognised by us as the viewers as a victim, but not as the people involved in the play. Um, and I think that unfortunately is still the case that you know, victims are not necessarily always recognised as victims. It's sort of seen that like Maura brought this on herself, which is like not, it was through a series of very unfortunate events where nobody offered help for this woman who's clearly crying out for help um, that this had happened to her and, and nobody was taking responsibility. So I think that level of of kind of victimising, victim blaming effectively that happens happened in that play still happens in Irish culture. Yeah, it does. And when you look at the, 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 the last scene, on Relic it'll break your heart like because they they start going like you know uh, the coroner has decided that it was it was murder and suicide but who's to blame yeah and on Vaher, the mom is like not beats her fake and orms and he orms says Coran Millan don't look at me shouldn't blame me Sean says Norik she shin she shamed us she shamed us you know Liam is Frish Betty and Clownus are in it Betty broke off our engagement you know, the bonnet store, the manager of the factory she worked in, you know, I oh, have to get somebody else to clean the jacks now. Yeah. You know, the social workers, I did my best. She was stubborn and selfish. She wouldn't get rid of the child. And probably the line that sticks to me is Shawnee Navoter, the character in it, the man she knows from her old hometown. Vrishi Narelicha, Antea Vrishi Narelicha, Ankleha, Kyle Tarone. Like, it's just Antea Vrish and Relic and Clea Kyle Therowne that's she broke the rules and the one who breaks the rules loses the game and it's and it's something you see a lot of and you still see it to this day this idea that there are there are rules and there are social niceties and you have to play along and you have to play ball and you know you're being rude you shouldn't be rude and you know eventually you have to turn around and say fuck rude yeah. Yeah. what's right 
uh, you know what's right and what's wrong and that's a pretty damn hard black and white line yeah and mm. social niceties be damned because yeah I mean it's so like you said it's so perfect I genuinely have goosebumps listening to that and it's years since I read it like it's it's so relevant today and so ahead of its time for 1964 it's such an excellent text and I think we probably don't put enough emphasis on how just unique and modern it is and how still unbelievably relevant that you can apply that to any kind of everything that's happening right now in terms of feminism and and you know movements toward more equality and and inclusiveness you can apply that to everything it's just so so deep and so powerful and so relevant such a good text and trio is available in all good bookshops especially on Chapelair and Harcourt Street C-N-A-G-S-I-O-P-A dot com Hey, Dark here. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We recently had a giveaway of three signed copies of Crack Baby Dispatches from a Rising Language, and we're happy to announce the winners today. The first winner is Noreen Dalton Seegers, who is Nord Alt C on Twitter. Her Irish expression was Madra Klishta, which was one of the jokes we made on the episode with Ruthie Fitz, Polar Berla, in which Madra Klishta being a cat. Thank you very much for your submission, Noreen. Our second winner is is Misha Dominic in Germany, whose entry is Knav, the word for a bone. And he points out, it's one of the spooky words in the Halloween episode, a rather ordinary word, but it rings just right, and for some reason it's stuck in my gown. Thank you very much, Dominic. And our third winner... Our third winner is Cecilia Bayer, Rabbi CC. Her favourite Irish word is one of the Irish words for orange, flan from episode one of Motherfuck Lore. This is the orange in the Irish flag. Flan meaning blood red and bui meaning yellow. Flan Thank you all to everyone who entered and to keep listening. If you didn't win this time, we will be running another competition soon. Motherfuck Lore comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you haven't got your podcast fixed and you want to listen to some more, you can try Taranoia, which is also available on Headstuff, starring Tara Flynn, but also What on Politics by Stephen Ritchie. By Stephen Ritchie, yeah, St- Steve Byrne and Ritchie Nolan, What on Politics, your beginner's guide to all things political. Thanks very much to Brian for producing. Thanks very much to Kirsten for the artwork. If you want to contact the show, please email us at motherfuckler at headstuff.org. Uh, you can tweet us or you can, I don't know, write us a letter or something. We never get letters anymore. Uh, you can't keep, keep on post alive, guys. <laughs> keep on post alive. Uh, no bias there. <laughs> but head stuff are on Lombard Street in Dublin too. Yeah. So you, by all means, write us a letter. And we'd Buy yourself a nice Christmas stamp and send it off to us. We'd love that. There's some nice ones out this year. Yeah. Until then, take care of yourselves and slon. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. All he wants to do is hang around down in street and recreate love actually like and she's like you're in the rat We were looking up it's just the chip or something going for the shit then like <laughs>